0: welcome back to another edition of the canes insight podcast i'm your host peter aries alongside d money We've got a big episode here we got scrimmage updates had a big one over the weekend have cam harris joining the show later on as well former miami running back uh, gonna be in the nfl pretty soon good to hear from him but yeah d i think uh i think what everyone wants to hear first is is the scrimmage talk right i mean it's it was a big one right we, we talked about it last week how you know, there's been some action, but the most important stuff was up ahead. And we got that this weekend.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the physicality. You don't know what you have until you're going full speed and really colliding. You know, running to the ball, game situations. It's different when you're doing thud. When you're tackling, it's a whole different scenario. And you really learn about guys. And I think they got a good eval on a lot of guys. You saw what the team looked like as a whole. You saw where the weak spots are. You saw where the strengths are. And I think the overall physicality was where you wanted it to be. Yeah, I mean, just people, people were getting knocked out, you know, I mean, obviously you don't want any injuries, but there were people that were adjusting to that level of, uh, of tackling and contact. And I thought the ability for multiple guys to get to the ball, you know, and coach Macho, the defensive coordinator, at Dillard, he posted about this and it's, it's dead on. It's something that Kevin Steele said. Last year, you had a lot of one-on-one tackle opportunities that went the wrong way. If you have a Jaquan Johnson or if you have a Shaq Quarterman, you'll probably make those tackles. But if you're a little lacking in the tackling department and you're not flying to the ball and gang tackling, getting a lot of hats around the ball, you're in trouble. There's going to be a lot of big plays. Michigan State, we saw that last year repeatedly. Big difference this time is the ability of the defense to really swarm and get to the football. And then once they get there, arrive with bad intentions and get the ball carried to the ground. I think just that is something visually that you could see the picture come alive in a scrimmage situation. On
0: top of just the physicality, I think the length of the scrimmage is something else that needs to be noted. I think it was probably close to like a full game, right? I mean, a lot of times these scrimmages are maybe a half, almost three quarters. How important do you think that is? You know, for, for Cristobal to, you know, how, is that part of his plan, do you think, to get these guys ready for, you know, obviously week three is what everyone on the outside looking in uh, is looking at, but just in general, in terms of culture, is this something you expect to see moving forward in terms of, like, the length of the scrimmages?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of those guys that were playing aren't going to play. It's not like you had the first right. team and the, and the rotation guys playing that whole time, but yeah, you got to look at a lot of guys, you got good evals on a lot of guys, and, you mentioned the culture. When Oregon goes to Ohio State without Cave on Thibodeau and wins that game, that's a culture win. Certainly wasn't a quarterback win right. or some amazing skill position player win. It was it was a culture win, um, and I think that's what you're trying to build to. And we'll get into specifics of players. I know people are probably listening, and saying you know who who did what and all those right. kind of things. And uh, I made a post. On canesinsight.com, you can check it out, front page and the forums, the bank, where kind of laid out all the individual performers. But yeah, it's, it's about building a team that expects to physically dominate the opponent. And when is the last time you could say that about the Miami Hurricanes? We saw those Wisconsin games. We've seen Michigan State, how they wore us down at the end of the game and really pulled away. Uh, pretty much any Big Ten team the Miami's played You've seen that weakness exposed. Mario is someone who's been able to go toe-to-toe with the Big Ten, the best of the Big Ten, Rose Bowls, Ohio State, at Ohio State. So I think building towards that level of stamina, consistency, uh, strain, and just overall um, you know, toughness is an important part of the scrimmage. And I, I can tell you, that you, you hear this every year, but it's true. This is a more physical team Than last year already. Now, the deep passing game, the explosive element of the team, uh, that is something that there's no secret. Mara admitted in his press conference that's a weakness right now. Who's going to be the receiver to step up and be able to be a go to guy on third down? We know Restrepo, Xavier Restrepo, made a lot of plays on third down uh, in the scrimmage, but who else is going to be dependable? And who's going to be dependable? down the field, one-on-one situations like a Charleston Rambo last year. Right. Uh, that's something that we did not see in the scrimmage, and it's going to be a real challenge for the team, particularly those playmakers on the outside for the rest of camp. And it's interesting because you mentioned that was something that we
0: spoke about last week, right? I think on the other side of the ball, though, a positive would be something else we spoke about, the depth of that defensive line. Different guys are stepping up. You know, we know about Mesidor, from from West Virginia, you know his production last year at West Virginia. From what I'm hearing, this is a guy who played in the 270s last year at West Virginia. Came to Miami closer to 280, and right now is sitting in the 290s range. So that's a guy who comes in and you aren't sure. You know, I think teams are uh, team by team basis in the NFL about what his projection is going to be, right? But man, a guy who lives in the backfield, I know had some you know big plays in the scrimmage on Saturday. Um, So just building upon what he's already shown in his early part of of camp.
1: Yeah, he's been all over the place. The defensive line in general, and we talked about it last time, and you saw it in the scrimmage, you have three lines on the defense that that can go. 12 players, 12 to 13 guys that can really go with talent, length, and ability. You don't have that necessarily on the offensive side of the ball with the offensive line. You have some good starters, some guys that can play, but you don't have three lines. So there was some mismatch there as the scrimmage went on. You had great second team defense alignment that could easily be starters going against guys that probably shouldn't, you know, be playing in that spot at this point. Right. So that was a bit of a mismatch. But Mesador, he's someone that his change of direction is his, his flexibility. He just some guys have a knack for moving and getting towards the running back in the backfield or the quarterback. I put Quincy Roche in that category. He's someone that you look at and you say, you know. I, physically he's okay doesn't blow you away but he always gets sacks he always gets tackles for loss a and he Trent goes,
0: Harris maybe would be another Harris,
1: one. Yeah, 100% but look at Roche in the NFL he's winning games in the NFL with forced fumbles sacks I mean someone who really did not set the world on fire in a combine setting I put Mesador in that category he just has that knack um, he was a linebacker in high school so those instincts are there in a way that's unusual for a defensive lineman um, he can tackle he can identify plays maybe a little quicker than some of these defensive linemen are just bulls in china shops. He sees the game like a linebacker, so he can see things develop and react. Um, can play inside, can play outside, like you mentioned. So Mesador is someone who could be a, a real impact player. And I think what we saw with Quincy, Quincy Roche as far as that level of production, I think we can expect that from Messidor, and it's sorely needed. I think the overall
0: depth of the line is so intriguing because you expect a Leonard Taylor to be... A premier guy you expect him you know he's a guy who probably has you know the highest ceiling of of anyone on that line on the interior line at least and then you continue to go down the line jared harrison hunt who made some big plays in the scrimmage he's a guy who's been you know shown flashes over his miami career i think you know people in the league want to see him be more consistent but man he's very very talented looks bigger looks stronger you look at a jake lichtenstein comes in with a ton of experience from usc Another guy who was playing in the 270 range last year, he's at like 285 now. So you've got some big, strong guys. Jackson, who comes in from, from Maryland, I know you're excited about him. Um, so it's it's deep. It seems like you said, when the opposing offensive lines get tired near the, near the end of games, that defensive line could be a real, real weapon. And I think, in my opinion, based on what I know and what I've heard, Everyone's talking about that linebacker group, right? Oh, is, this, is it still going to be a weakness for this team? With as strong as that defensive line is, and I think as good as that secondary could be, I think some of those perceived issues may be masked as the season you know goes on at, at the linebacker spot.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the linebackers. I thought Steed and Corey Flagg both had good scrimmages. They've improved from spring in this system. And then you see the other guys who maybe have a little more speed getting pushed by how good those guys are playing. Uh, A Caleb Johnson had a really phenomenal scrimmage, had series where he was making multiple tackles, sideline to sideline, showing his speed. I didn't know how talented he was until he got here. He can run. He can make tackles in space. He can blitz. You saw that in in UCLA. Mm -hmm. He had, had multiple sacks. I think he had a four or five sack season there during the pandemic year, which was a shortened season um he's somebody and, and he can cover a little bit as well his athleticism is going to make a big difference in the linebacker group and i think as good as as flag and steed are playing johnson's going to get one of those spots right. with the way he's progressing um in this new defense the guys everybody always asks me about as far as linebacker wesley besanth uh, chase smith both made an impact in the scrimmage coming off the edge, using their speed and twitch to make plays in the backfield. Besaint, at one point, had multiple stops on Chaney. Uh, they're playing a little bit of that strong side linebacker, which you don't see all the time because usually that's going to be the star, the striker last year, right. or nickel. But they, they do have uh, they do have situations where you will see three linebackers on the field, those being Besaint and, and Smith in that position. But their speed and, and striking ability, just overall length and talent, It's obvious, and I think that arrow's pointing up with both of them, and it's one of those things where, you know, I remember Ray Lewis early in his career, a game against Colorado. He came in, made 20-something tackles as a freshman, never left the field. I could see a situation like that with these guys where maybe they don't start the first snap of the first game, but once they get on the field and they start making plays, it's going to be hard to keep them off. So linebacker, I think, is in a much better place than it was in spring, just like the defensive line is. Obviously, they benefit from playing in front of those guys, but with Johnson, with Besanth, with Smith, we're talking about some talented dudes that can run and that can do different things, and I'm very excited about where those guys are trending.
0: And and not to backtrack to the defensive line, but we didn't even mention guys like an Elijah Roberts, an Allen Hay, a Moten, who. May not be the household names right now to Canes fans, but uh, you know they're making an impact in in practice, and I know they they made some plays in the scrimmage as well.
1: Yeah, all all those guys made plays. Elijah Roberts particularly was outstanding. Uh, he's someone that played outside, but can also play. It's kind of like Messidor. Right. Very similar body types. I think Elijah Roberts might be a little bigger naturally uh, than Messidor, but similar type of uh, of role on the team as far as third down. You come in uh, base, you're going to be outside, but yeah, all those guys. And Leonard Taylor, you know, I, I did my write-up on Canes' on side, again, the bank. Check it out for more detail of what we're talking about here. But I didn't mention Leonard Taylor. and People were like, oh, what's going on with him? I mean, he's been quiet. Leonard Taylor is going to be fine. Yeah. He's getting better. He's getting bigger. He's getting stronger. He started the scrimmage. He's been starting. Uh, starting doesn't matter as much with this amount of rotation, but he's... And it's
0: he- one of those positions where, it, you know, he may not be the one, you know, with the sack or with the actual tackle for loss, but... You know, he you can be disruptive there and not get your name called
1: for sure. And look, he's going to get sacks right. and he's going to get tackles for loss. Along with him and Harrison Hunt are battling. Those are the two real to me talented interior rushers. And when you get a talented interior rusher, you know this from the agent side, the NFL side. There's nothing more valuable than pressure up the middle, right, right in the quarterback's face, because you know if you're Tom Brady, just for an NFL example, and these defensive ends are flying the field. You can step up in the pocket and still do what you do. But if you have an Aaron Donald coming right up the middle, now you're running right. around. The whole play is disrupted. The timing's gone. So the two guys that I think really bring that element, Taylor and Harrison Hunt. I think both those guys are coming along great, getting stronger, getting sturdier. We knew they were athletic and they can get they can wiggle around and make plays in the backfield. But they're getting physically stronger. They're getting challenged daily. And I think that's a a positive development. But Taylor, Taylor's there. A guy also I haven't mentioned in in my write-ups, but who's in the mix is Chance Williams. Yeah, you know Chance Williams. He's number thirteen now, not thirty-three. Maybe the number change makes him look a little more athletic. Uh, Thirteen fits better, but he's gotten stronger. Uh, He's a super. He's been a
0: productive guy. He's been he's been productive thus far in his career.
1: He's played. And you know one weakness you see with him is he's a guy who beast in the weight room always getting better always working hard always playing hard and he runs four six but maybe sometimes some stiffness he'll get stuck on blocks a little bit um he's getting more comfortable in what he's doing he's getting more assertive more confident and all the work he's putting in the weight room that 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 translates that right. adds up all those days add up so you're seeing from what i saw in spring and what he's doing now uh, tremendous improvement and that speed and ability to deflect passes which he can do very mm-hmm. well makes him very, very disruptive because you're not going to outrun that guy. If you get, let's say, a, a Leonard Taylor flushes you out and now you're running sideline to sideline right. and you got to outrun Chance Williams running 4-6, that's a problem. Or if he's jumping in the passing lanes, I think he's a school's all-time shot block leader. Mm. He can do that as well. So, uh, you know, a lot of blue-chip talent on the defensive line that's being pushed by these transfers.
0: Cam Kitchens, a guy in the secondary who I think starting to separate himself as a leader on the defense and... I think he could potentially become the MVP on that side of the ball when it's all said and
1: done. A lot of candidates at that safety position, because also James Willings, we talked about him last week. Right. You know, we mentioned it last week. He we said this guy's a Swiss Army knife because of his intelligence. You heard ball in the press conference. I think
0: Cam's going to be the guy It's going to be very tough to take him take him off the field.
1: Well, they're different. So with a Cam, in my opinion, you play him further away from the ball. He's not the guy that's going to cover one-on-one necessarily. Um He can blitz and do those things, but I would rather have James Williams closer to the ball with his length, with his ability to do all those different things. Avante Williams, he's so twitching quick, you can put him in the slot, you can put him anywhere. He, he He has the range to be deep, but he's also good close to the ball. Cam, he excels when he can evaluate, use his intelligence, see things develop in front of him, and then... Just take a perfect angle to the ball like he did in the scrimmage with his interception right. of TVD. Uh, that's where he excels. So I think all of those guys bring something different to the table, whether it's their body type, the different speed and athletic profiles, uh, and just the different ways they play the game. All three of those guys. Talk about MVPs. I wouldn't be surprised if we come back at the end of the season and say any one of those three star right. safeties is the stud of the defense.
0: Yeah, We've talked a lot about the defense. Offensively, you mentioned the receivers. From a, from a positive standpoint, anything stand
1: out to you? Well, Restrepo, we mentioned, right. who he's different than a Barrios or a Harley because he's he's big. big, he's, big yeah. he's bigger than Knighton. He's bigger than a lot of running backs that we've had. So he can break tackles and do things after the catch that maybe we haven't seen from other slot receivers. TBD's roommate, TBD's golfing buddy, that connection is there on third down. So, so you you see that. Um, T. Sean Smith will do what he does. He does some nice things. The guys that I think the pressure is on, Romella Brinson, Jacoby George. If you're talking about pure talent, I would say those two guys are the most talented guys in the room. They have a chance to be what you're looking for as far as an NFL-type receiver with length, hands, acceleration, all those things. But they got to show it, and they got to push it. We talked about last week all the receivers that have done well. Those were the the worker bees and the guys that really went out and grabbed that position. Well, I think
0: that that's why Keyshawn Smith has a solidified spot right now because he's a guy who did it last year. You know, had has made some acrobatic catches and he's just produced point blank. There there aren't a ton of those guys on on the roster at the, at the receiver spot right now.
1: Right, and then Thursday's practice before the scrimmage, the, which is a full padded mm-hmm. practice. He had a beautiful long touchdown on a post where he could show his speed and ability to accelerate. So, yeah, he, he can do his thing absolutely. You know, Michael Redding got serious snaps in the scrimmage, somebody who somewhat written off because he's always hurt, but he is an absolute worker bee. You don't have to tell him to go to the jugs machine or, or do those sort of things. He's always doing it. Uh, he knows the offense better than anybody, and he has some physical tools. So you, you saw his testing numbers in high school, 4'4", jumped almost 40 inches. His issue is just the, the finesse maybe of some of the route running. He's he's a little bit of a unique type of runner, um, but he has tools and he's working. So that's a position kind of like linebacker where you say, okay, there's a bunch of guys in the mix, and then you get into the first or second game and somebody has a 100-yard game and they never look back. Right. They establish Waiting themselves. Waiting for
0: someone to become the guy.
1: Like Rambo after yeah. Michigan State. Ran- I saw Rambo in camp and in spring last year. And it was not like he was dominant. I would say that Harley was much better than Rambo in those practices, especially with King as a quarterback, because King really loved Harley. Mm-hmm. Michigan State, uh, Rambo has an outstanding game. King gets hurt, TVD comes in, and it's off and running. That's his, that's his guy. TVD would throw up those 50-50 balls. Rambo would, would be one-on-one and make spectacular adjustments to the ball and, and make plays every single game. So... Still early, don't overreact their receiver, but at the same time, there's urgency. And if, to me, Romello Brinson, Jacoby George, there's urgency with those guys. We know how talented they are. It's time now.
0: Real quick, I wanted to touch on Brashard Smith because he's a guy a lot of people on the boards have been asking about. Where does he fit into the equation? Uh, Mario, I know back in spring talked about how tough he is and him kind of being a guy that they, they can move around on the offense. So where, where do you think he, uh, he ends up fitting in?
1: Well, that's a, a role that Gaddis had in Michigan as far as somebody to take jet sweeps, kind of like those receiver, running back, hybrid types. He had that in Michigan. I believe A.J. Henning is the name mm-hmm. of the the, the player uh, who, who filled that role at Michigan. So, you know, we'll see. I think Brashard, he's the kind of guy that full pads helps him because so much of his game is bouncing off tackles and being strong and balanced and then showing his speed. He's not gonna be the guy that's gonna be just routing people up like Restrepo in a in a in a seven on seven setting or or even a thud practice setting. He's a guy that you put him in a game, like run after the, catch. Yeah. Run after catch and taking on contact, you think he's down and he's still running. We saw that in the uh, was a Central Connecticut State, whatever right. that school was called. Took a hit, takes a seventy five yards. Then he also had pure speed on the Virginia Tech touchdown. So two 75 yard touchdowns last year for for Brashard Smith, where he really didn't have an outstanding year by any means, but you know he showed you what he can do, and I think there's still more there. But no question that the starting slot receiver Restrepo's got a stranglehold on that on that job right now.
0: We haven't spoken much about the the quarterback position. Um, I, you know, something that I gathered that that I found interesting over the past you know few days, scouts starting to go into Miami and and check things out. Right. Um, just the 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 thought on TVD, or one of the main thoughts on TVD is one of the reasons they're so intrigued by him is because they're going in there and they're seeing he doesn't have all that much, you know, uh, wide receiver, proven wide receiver talent there right now. Obviously, you have a Mike Harley who, you know, was the only guy last year who, who, who left, but he was a guy who looks like he has a good chance to make this, this Browns team, right? Um, but obviously went undrafted. And he's kind of making the most out of what he has right now. Not to say there's, like we talked about, plenty of talented guys who could emerge and become drafted guys, right, in the next couple years. But you you see what I'm saying? That's kind of been the overall consensus is, man, this kid, we we see what he is. We see all the throws he makes, but he's really elevating the level of talent around him. And I think that's going to be... You know, kind of one of the things that we, we track moving forward is, you know, who, who emerges around him to kind of, you know, supplement what he already is.
1: Yeah, and I know when we did the podcast last week, some, of, some people gave me some feedback saying, man, you waited too long to talk about TVD." So I will not wait that long this time because him in the skirmish, kind of with what you said, total command. He's not going to throw very many interceptions this year. And he's not a safe quarterback. He is a gunslinger in that that he's not afraid to pull the trigger. But he just knows where to go with the ball. He knows where uh, the matchups are. He knows where he's going to get one-on-one coverage. He just has total command of this offense. So the scrimmage was no different. Maybe he didn't have the explosive element. That's the next step of, of this offense. But the ball wasn't hitting the ground a ton and certainly was not bouncing off defenders' hands. He was making great decisions, he knows where to go and he will elevate the level of, of players around him. You know, I got a question for you because I know you've been in contact with some of the scouts that have been seeing these spring practices. That's your world. Mm. Uh, defensive line, what are some of the things you're hearing about our guys on the defensive line and how scouts are, are are seeing those dudes.
0: Well, again, remember when when the scouts are going in there, they're gonna go watch the guys who they know are coming out. You know, obviously the seniors are are, you know, The guys that they're really watching so they aren't necessarily going in there and seeing a now when greg rousseau was a was a true freshman they're they're calling us asking who who is this this young freshman right so they see certain guys but they're not going in there and really writing full reports up mesador is a guy we've talked about a couple times now already right and i mentioned it last week tweener right would be the, the the phrase that gets thrown around but you cannot argue with his production. He he lived in the backfield at, at West Virginia. And again, from what I heard today, he's in that 290s range, which is about 20 pounds heavier, 15 to 20 pounds heavier than he was playing at West Virginia. So when you're talking about categorizing guys for the next level, he becomes a guy that maybe he was once thought of as a tweener. Now he could find a role as a guy who plays inside for some teams right you can you can play him on the edge also and now that size isn't necessarily a concern to teams right so he's a guy who's sticking out um has a chance to probably go you know again we'll see what happens this year on film but he could he could go pretty high in this thing so um he's a name that's sticking out um a lot right now just in terms of like you know what what scouts are saying um you know, like I said, a Leonard Taylor is a guy that we all know his ceiling, but they aren't really going in there and, and writing up four reports. So you, you may get a mention of him because he was a five star. Um, but yeah, those though, Mesidor really, really, really is the guy I would say that's that's sticking out. Lichtenstein's an interesting one, too, because I actually had a scout tell me back in the spring, this kid who's coming to Miami was popping on Drake Jackson's film for USC. And Drake Jackson was a guy who I believe went second round. Uh, in the, in this past draft, um, so again we mentioned him as a guy with a ton of experience. He's bulked up a bit, right? So you look at a John Ford last year, right? He was a guy that Miami, a lot of Miami fans would have said, man, you know, he only had this many sacks, this many tackles for loss in his career, but he was a guy who just looking at him screamed NFL from top to bottom. A lot of this is projection, especially on the defensive line. So a guy like Lichtenstein another one who could play inside-outside, I could see him being a guy who creates some buzz as the year goes on as well.
1: And, you know, one name that I hear from coaches all the time that the fans maybe don't have the same opinion on, but the coaches certainly do, is DJ Scaife. As being the heart and soul of this offensive line, somebody who has started so many games, I think he's already over 40.
0: Versatile, tough, and, you know, obviously... His body, he, he's had to play so many different positions, right? So he's a little, um, I think he's a little heavier now. He's, a, he's about as, as you know, big as he's been at Miami. Um, but man, like you said, he's, he's a guy who maybe doesn't get the buzz as a Zion Nelson um, at, at the offensive line spot. Um, but he's, he's definitely someone that, that teams are interested in.
1: Now, Pete, you know, we can't carry this thing by ourselves. We have the greatest asset in the Canes world, which is the Canes Insight Forum. The family on Twitter, 100 million hits a year, that activity. We're trying to harness that energy, bring it to the show, uh, see what people got, and, and try to answer some questions that people have uh, about what's going on at camp and what's going on with the program. So, you know, without further ado, let's get into some questions here. Start with you. This is from the Don Snaps on Twitter. Besides TVD, which player do you guys think will have the biggest impact on the team's success?
0: Well, I, you know, I, I kind of said Cam Kitchens earlier, um, which, you know, that is to me it's more than just his impact, you know, obviously on the field, but I think he's going to be the quarterback of the defense in a sense. Um, but since I already said him, hmm, I have I have I have an X factor here. Let's say Romelo Brinson, because I think, at the wide receiver position, we're talking so much about needing someone to step up. I think you look at him. Just the look, he's a guy who's, who's, we knew what he was in high school. He's, um, as as Harold Martinez would say, he's Traz certified, right? So um, he's a guy who uh, did it against the best in Dade County, and we know that means a lot, right? So he's added the weight, showed some flat. Again, we didn't talk about him much in the scrimmage, but I think ceiling-wise at the wide receiver position, he's a guy with a huge catch radius, can make some eye-popping uh, plays. Consistency is going to be big with him. Um, but I think he can be the number one in, in a big way. So I know it's a little bit off the the radar a little bit. Um, but that's that's my guy that yeah. I think could be.
1: I'm with you on that. I mean, he's the twitchiest guy in the receiver room, even with the, the length that he has. The suddenness, it's a different level. The separation he gets is just different than the rest of the receivers. Uh, so... He's Yeah, he's someone that... If someone fits the profile of a number one receiver, it's him. So I agree with that one.
0: So I got one here for you that's kind of, uh, you know, in a similar light. But from Gables Kane, name a surprise impact player on offense and one on defense.
1: Surprise impact player on offense, I would say Jaleel Skinner. I don't know how much surprise that is. But if you look at spring and in camp... The guy who's made the most explosive plays in about 60, 70-yard touchdowns, Skinner's name is right up there. Uh, and you wouldn't think that for a tight end, but his ability to catch and run, to break a tackle and then get those big strides going and get down the field, uh, it makes him pretty unique. And in an offense where you're looking for that uh, that big play ability, that chunk play, that explosive play, which really defines who wins games a lot of times in football in 2022, uh, I think he can bring that it's a little unconventional because he's a tight end, but he can bring that, and he's really like a receiver. He's what is he, 220-something pounds now. He's still not up to his tight end size. There's things you can't do with him that you might do with an Arroyo, but I think what you can do with him is scheme him open and let him get those strides going, making those big plays. So I think Skinner's going to, if he stays disciplined like he's been and doing the right things, uh, he can surprise us with the big plays he makes. It's not going to be a ton of plays, but the ones he makes are going to be very much impactful. Um, on the defensive end, hmm, I will go ahead and I will say, we'll talk about him a little bit, but hmm, you know, surprise player on defense. You got this me- is
0: this is the Homer is starting to show in in D money. He's, he's he's starting to, he's trying to pick which guy that he you know. You know
1: what it is? I want to say DJ Ivy, but I've said it the last three years. Right. So uh, and you know got a lot of flack for it. So I'm gonna let that one sit for a second. Um, Because again, I get flack every year when when doesn't happen.
0: People already know what you think of him, so.
1: Well, look. I mean, I think I think the same thing everybody else thinks of him. I think in practice, the guy's the best player on the on the secondary. In the games, we all see the games. Has not it hasn't happened? So, I can't I can't say that. But he, you know, if he has that Brandon McGee DVD type senior season, it will surprise everybody because I think most people don't expect that. You know, the definition of surprise. Uh, So maybe that's wishful thinking on that one. But uh, I'll say uh, a surprise guy. I'm going to go ahead and say chance. Um, The reason being, I don't think what he's put on film is that great. We know his talent, but he's making real improvements. Not a leap necessarily, but he's making small incremental improvements. And if he keeps making those improvements, all that hard work he puts in is going to pay off. And with his size and, and, and length and speed, uh, he does things by accident that other people try to do on purpose. So I, I like what I'm seeing from Chance uh, Chance in practice. And a bonus one, I'll say Elijah Roberts because he's really trending up with what he did in the scrimmage. So uh, here we go for you, uh, especially since you've been talking to all these scouts. On both sides of the ball, name one guy who might not be on the radar right now, but if everything starts to click, could be an NFL-type guy. So,
0: hmm. I mean... On the defensive side of the ball, since since you said DJ, because he fits the bow of, of everything starting to click. Well, what are you hearing about him? Well, I, listen, he's a guy that the the confidence, I think that, that scouts see that he needs to play with some confidence because they see what he is, right? The, and all the talk about him in the building is very positive from a preparation standpoint, from a character standpoint, right? They just want to see it on the field. And, and I think this is an opportunity for him, obviously. I think him him coming back for this fifth year, him being an older guy on the team, you know, we, we didn't hear his name much in the scrimmage because they weren't, you know, really throwing his way, right? So I think if he continues this up, obviously it's practice, it's scrimmage, right? Um, but he's a guy who could go a lot higher than people think. I, I mentioned a John Ford early earlier in the show, right? He looked like an NFL player it was it's as simple as that the numbers and the box scores may not have reflected that completely right but he looked like an NFL player and he had all the signs of it right so a lot of times the league looks at it and says we can get more out of this guy I think that's why DJ Ivy is so intriguing to a lot of teams in that respect
1: and what did the scouts that are here now we we write about them being on campus for the last few practices. What have they seen from from Ivy?
0: He's what six one two hundred one ninety five. I mean, how many how many corners do you have that are walking around at that? And and the other thing I mentioned too is the word about him in the, that that's so that means so much to these scouts. Is what are the you know not only the coaches but the, the training staff and. The academic advisors, all of this goes into the evaluation process of a player. And that's one of the reasons why so many people have been optimistic about DJ Ivy the last few years. Because he does everything in terms of the preparation, you know, not only not being a guy who gets in trouble, but being a leader, right, on the field. So I think I think that he's a guy that scouts are just looking at and saying this could be the year for him.
1: Yeah, just pulled up my phone. Uh, on I, the I, offensive I, side of the ball because I wait, didn't... Wait, before we get off DJ, I just pulled up my phone. Text from a coach I got this morning. Ivy's having the best camp he's had and is a legit dude. And, and I know people are hearing this podcast and they're saying, I've heard this every single year, and every coach has said it. be it's T-Rob or Rump or whoever. I get it, man. I get it. I see the same games you do. I've seen that Georgia Tech game. I saw Alabama last year. I've seen it. But uh, maybe it's just wishing and hoping because you want so much for the kid himself right. and he's taking so much crap from the fan base. Um, and you know, there people are being real with what the performance has been, but man, if he could have that Brandon McGee season, D, uh, uh, DJ, you know, corn elder where it comes together and then they end up getting drafted. Uh, that would be awesome to see. So anyways, the offensive guy,
0: offensive side of the ball. I mean, Hmm. It's a tough one because again, there's another guy you mentioned, but a DJ Scafe. He's been so to speak under the radar, but versatility is such a big thing at the offensive line position for the NFL, right? Because we see the injuries at every position, but at offensive line, there's already a shortage of quality ones around the league. If you watch the preseason games that are going on now, right? You, it, it's it's very tough to watch those games in the third and fourth quarter because there's just not a, 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 there's a lack of quality depth offensive line depth across the league in football. Scaife is a guy who has played tackle. He's played guard. Teams that we've spoken to see him potentially as a center at the next level, right? So you're looking at a guy who, yeah, he may not project as a tackle at the NFL level, but he can play it if, if something absolutely goes, you know, goes wrong, right? So, um, you know, you look at him as a guy that this offensive line, you know, I think that everyone, that's another position that you're looking for certain guys to step up. Um, and it's going to be a high-profile position this year, protecting a guy who could be, you know, as high of a pick as he could be, right? So there's going to be a microscope on it. I think Scaife's a guy who could who could help himself this year for sure.
1: Yeah, and you're not and you're not answering this question with the perspective of Homer Cain fan. This is conversations no. you've had with scouts, objective in your professional capacities. Right. So it's up to keep in mind when you answer that question. So, what do, what do you got for me?
0: So next question, um, from Hess Killer is d money we know the team and you've touched on this a bit we know the team has been more physical in practice but what has specifically been harder on the players has the conditioning or how has the conditioning improved if there's a way for you to kind of measure that from what you've seen
1: right so actually first of all last question was from ziggy great poster sorry I didn't get you but yeah as far as the conditioning level um kind of the old camp cliche right every year they're in the best shape of their lives they're seeing the strength and conditioning from the summer payoff. We've heard that forever. It's like, it's like in the fight world, which you as an MMA agent as well, FRM, everybody's in the best shape of their life for the fight every time. So that is something that we, we always, uh, hear about. Um, I would say with the conditioning, the intensity was there in the scrimmage the entire way through. So you saw it in that respect. Um, and, and then, from my
0: understanding earlier in the week, they had a pretty tough practice. Yeah. Too.
1: The Thursday was full pads, yeah. uh, I would say the type of conditioning that is different with this era of Canes is the conditioning your body to take blows and give blows. You know what I mean? The, the constant hitting. The drill work is so much more physical. We talked about it last time. I mean, this is, this is something tangible. You go to practice, and you're seeing guys take on blocks, take on double teams constantly at a level that just did not happen last year. It was not part of the itinerary. So I think you're, it's one thing to say we're going to be physical. Something, it's another, one thing to get strong in the weight room. But when you're constantly pressing up against other humans and, and, and having that strain, you're conditioning yourself to play that way and to take on blocks. You're not uh, surprised when a Michigan State is crushing you in the fourth quarter because you've trained your body that way. So look, all these guys are in great shape. It, this is, this is big-time football. They're all in great condition. They worked hard in the offseason. But I think the contact conditioning is different uh, with this team, and I think that's going to pay dividends, particularly when you play the physical teams that we've historically struggled against the past 20 years. I'll say that. So last one uh, from me to Mr. Ariz, and this is coming from 88. Is NIL— enticing kids to stay in school as opposed to leaving early
0: so this is it's a very complex question right it's not as simple as as yes or no if a kid feels like he's ready to go and go be a pro you know his mind is going to be made up no matter who is is telling him one thing or another that that's just how it goes right but what's happening now with the nio and obviously it's only been one year right but i think guys are looking at it because before a lot of players i think would say look if the worst case scenario happens if well there's there's always always a worse worst case scenario right but if i don't get drafted i end up on a practice squad i can still make six figures this next year right as opposed to going and playing that's this is how this is what they what they think in their mind right and a lot of them they may have already been graduated and that and that a lot of times is is just another check mark for them to be like all right i'm just going to go take my chances if if i don't get drafted i'll just move on you know don't get drafted don't end up on a practice squad move on with my life right now it's almost like look i can stay in school for another year and still make up to what i probably could have made on a practice squad or if i didn't graduate i go back to school right but i can stay i can stay in school right a lot of times look if you're a fourth to fifth year guy or a fifth to sixth year guy may not be able to change you know, much of their status, they may be what they are at that point. But man, if if you're in these guys' shoes, you're making anywhere from 30 to 100 plus thousand a year, you know, at a school like Miami, this is great money for you to be able to say, look, I don't have to worry about my normal stuff that I may be worrying about, right? Outside of of just, you know, my normal bills. Um, And I can stay in school, I can continue to develop right maybe get started on a master's degree a grad degree and it's a real option for some of these guys now again some of them may say well I may make $50,000 next year but I feel like I'm I'm ready to move on with my life and I'm just ready to go be a pro I'm done with school I don't I don't want to deal with this anymore I'm just I'm done with college I'm ready to just go give it a shot that's going to still be the mentality for a lot of guys um but it's an awesome safety blanket uh for players who you know want to give it another go give it one more year and you know now we're seeing it too with some of these COVID years also um it's giving some of these guys you know an extra an extra life so to speak in in football so yeah i definitely think it's going to help guys um you know stay in school if if you know they don't want to just go say hey if the, this is the worst-case scenario, I'll live with it. They now have another option.
1: Yeah, look, if you ask me, would I rather be making 70 Gs in college or what I make now as a grown-up? So I might take that 70 Gs in college. I'd be yeah, pretty it's a, whole
0: it's a whole different, whole different ballgame now. Whole different ball game. This, I mean, look, we just saw it last year for the first time. Um, I don't know how many guys on the team really had to make that, that uh, decision this last year, so we'll see what happens you know, moving forward. But this, And this isn't, again, this isn't just a Miami thing. This is going to be a cross- college football there's a lot of guys who probably and this is really the other side of the equation there are a lot of guys who are making more money in the nil not necessarily at miami but in other schools who maybe aren't going to make that sort of money moving forward derek king yeah so that that's that's a perfect example of one and I, and I know he derek's gonna be playing i think in the uh in the rebooted xfl so you know best of luck to him with that but Yeah, you know, he's a guy who made some solid money last year. And, you know, as we see, the numbers are only getting bigger as the years go on. So.
1: All right. So what you got for me here? Let's wrap this up. Yeah.
0: So this last one is from Walsh 5. And his question was, how well do we match up against Clemson and Texas A&M?
1: So I think part of the problem is you're going against their strength with our style of play. And here's what I mean by that. Clemson's strength is their defensive line is off the charts. I mean, that's the, they have a Clemson defensive line. They don't have a Clemson quarterback right now like they've had in the past. They don't have Clemson wide receivers like they've had in the past. I don't even think they have a Clemson running back. I know Shipley's pretty good, but he doesn't scare you like an Etienne. But their defensive line with Brees and, and some of those guys, Miles Murphy, that is a Clemson quality defensive line. So if we're a team that's going to try to grind you out and and come right at you, and beat you with a lot of paper cuts. That's tough when you're going against a very physical defensive line. Texas A&M is exactly the same way. Their weakness is their offense is not that explosive, their strength is their good defensive line. So, you know, that's my concern with those matchups. I would love to say we were just a high-flying, explosive team that can maybe get a lead on those guys and force their quarterbacks to get out of their comfort zone because they don't have great quarterbacks right now, either Texas A&M or Clemson. Um, we don't. We kind of play a similar style to what they play, maybe a couple of years behind in recruiting. So I actually think those are both tough matchups, quite frankly. But the biggest difference is, even though we may not be an explosive offense right now, we have a quarterback who's at a different level than those guys. And in a close game, that can make the difference. So that's where we match up favorably. Definitely. All right. Things change in here, Canes City Podcast, but some things stay the same. Canes were still the number one shop in the world for Miami Hurricanes apparel. This is gonna be the biggest year Canes wherever because it's gonna be the biggest year in the program in 20 years. So they're investing. They got a new shipment coming from Adidas, Miami Knights apparel. I mean, really slick looking stuff. Dark features, just very, very cool. Looks like Miami, but looks different than what you're used to. So that Miami Knight line, awesome. Uh, They got the Adidas utility pack for those of you like to camp. It's getting a little cooler in Florida, so you wanna go out and get out. Uh, when you're not watching the Canes, got the Adidas Canes utility pack at Caneswear and just all kinds of new stuff. The shipments are coming in hot and heavy. Brett, the whole team out there, they are investing heavily and they are bringing you the absolute best for what they hope to be and what we all think is going to be the best Canes season in a long time. So Caneswear, check it out, caneswear.com. If you're out of state or you don't want to drive to Davie, but if you do want to visit beautiful Davie, check out the cows, go to the store at the Arrowhead Plaza. No one better in the world Cain's where, baby, still the best. Cam Harris was a great leader in Miami, and I
0: you know, I think uh, the best is, is ahead of him.
1: Underrated player. I mean, really, his ability to make big plays, long runs, explosive runs consistently, be tough, physical, his pass blocking. Never heard a peep, anything negative about him. I think Cam Harris an underrated Kane and, and someone who really gave a lot to this program, and I really uh, hope to see him do his thing in the NFL. I'm looking forward to talking to him.
0: Cam Harris, former Carroll City Chief, former Hurricane, up next. Welcome back to the Canes Insight Podcast here at the FRM Studios. We're joined now by our guest, Cam Harris, former uh, Miami Hurricanes running back and soon to be in the NFL with, uh, with one of the 32 uh, great franchises out there. Cam, welcome, uh, welcome in, man.
2: Thank you, Peter. Thank you, man. It is... Uh... It's a blessing to be here, you know, just talk to you guys.
0: Yeah, man, I, I told you before the show, I don't know if you remember, but this is actually your second appearance on the podcast back when you were in high school coming out of Carroll City. <laughs> Committed to Miami when I was doing this, you know, interviewing you as a, as a high school recruit. So, you know, we're upgraded now. We're, we're here in the studios. We got D-Money here uh, with us. And, you know, obviously <coughs> it's been a, a, an interesting last four or five years for you. A lot A lot has changed, but you know you're still the same cam at least that i remember dealing with uh when you were coming out so you know talk about what the, what the last uh 10 months now has been like for you you know obviously having the injury and and coming back from it now
2: the last 10 months been a, a with a real up and down you know i just been down when i first got injured you know when i broke through the hole. And I thought I was going to break on North Carolina game. And I went down and I felt this pop. And I was like, I had a flashback. Like, no, this can't be happening to me. Then when I tried to extend my leg, I knew it couldn't move. I was just stuck. So I was just, you know, after surgery and after everything, like, going through, I was just in this dark hole that... I, I see everybody, everybody was like invisible to me. Like it was just like dark clouds, nobody was there, it was just me by myself. And uh I was always talking to myself, like I was just in the dark hole, like, why me? You know. Every year I put in the work, every year I did all the extra work, every year, just just coming from, you know, little lead to high school to college, I always been consistent, I always been the same person, you know. And I always was always a hard worker. That was the main thing, that was the key, me growing up as a kid, uh just being a hard worker. Uh having this, this ACL injury is like this this everything new to me, you know. So this is my first major injury, my first surgery and people don't understand like I wouldn't wish no ACL, no knee injury on nobody because this this is not what it is and I don't want to go back to it. So, these past 10 months I've been pushing myself hard and, and keep a good head on, you know, not just look down on myself and say I'm not going to make it to the NFL, I'm not going to do certain things cuz when I was in this dark place, I felt like that was the devil trying to hold me down, meaning as think about the bad stuff, like, oh, I ain't going to be able to graduate, or I ain't going to be able to make sure my family's straight, or I ain't going to be able to do such and such, et cetera. Uh, I just had faith. That's what kept me going every day, getting 1% better. And I just see the process, at like me just going month to month, just see me starting to walk again. Me starting to jog again. Me starting to run again. Me starting to sprint again. Me starting to doing cuts again. You know, just getting that muscle memory back in my knee. It just, you know, it's amazing. You know, just to just to show the world that I'm getting back on my feet, and I'm gonna show these NFL scouts that what they missing out on.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I appreciate you sharing those uh, sharing those words. I don't think you've really you know, spoken much about kind of the the battle for you, and it's like you said, it's probably been more of a, a mental battle than a physical battle because I know you're getting real close to being ready and being being close to 100%. So, um, I mean, for you, what's been the biggest thing that you've learned? And looking forward, I mean, how close do you think you are to to being ready to go?
2: My biggest thing that I really learned is. Not worried about the outside because when I was down, nobody checked up on me. There's only a handful that I could say that called me and checked up on me. But when I'm doing good, everybody hand out, everybody trying to reach out, everybody when to come to the games and, and et cetera, and I just see who showed their true color. And when I was in this dark hole, there's only a few hands I could talk to and reach out and say, thank you for being there for me you know this people don't understand when you get injured you just like this is over like i ain't gonna play ball it's like a
0: part like, of you that just kind of like gone in a way right right
2: it was just it was just like i ripped something out of my heart that football i won't never put on cleats again you know just having this injury just made me learn as a young man that that what made me pursue in school more instead of focus on football. Because when I had this injury, I started focus on school, starting to buckle down to get all my graduation credits and et cetera. Uh, you know, I never wish this on nobody. Uh, just got to have faith and believe what you're doing.
0: That's what you've done. I mean... You're, you're, you're close, right? I mean, you're, if you want to give the fans an update, just kind of let them know how far along in the process you are, um, you know, and just how you're feeling. Because I know you're, obviously, you look good. You're, you know, at the weight you want to be at and, and things of that nature. So just give, give the fans out there an idea of what your kind of rehab regimen's been like, your, your daily kind of training is right now, um, and, you know, <laughs> when you expect to be ready.
2: Sure, I ain't gonna need a lot to Peter. It's very close. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm expected to be ready probably in like two weeks, uh, close to 100 percent actually. You know,
0: which is amazing considering it was October. What was what was the date of the injury last year? October.
2: October 27. Yeah, um, that's that's a day I'll never forget. Uh, me seeing a different side of me. Me seeing faith. Me seeing. To understand the real world, you know, when nobody around, who can you go to? And I always been self-disciplined, and I've always been self-motivated because you don't need somebody to motivate you. You gotta find your way out. People can only do so much to help you. They can lead you the way, but can you take it and find out how to overcome those situations? Right,
0: and I think. You know, the Canes are obviously losing a big part of, of, you know, that leadership that you brought to the room. It's a talented running back room this year, obviously, and we're going to see who <laughs> steps up. But like you said, you were a guy who set the standard in, in the room for a long time. And, um, you know, on and off the field, I think, as we saw, you, you put together this 7-on-7 uh, tournament recently because, listen – you're a guy who stays busy right you're 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 staying ready and you're gonna be ready real soon and there's you know some interest out there already from teams obviously um but you know talk about this seven on seven tournament because you got to stay busy and you had a real nice event out there a lot of talent
2: so what helped me um put out this seven on seven was uh my former teammate Malik and Malik
0: Rozier for those out there who are
2: Malik Rosier was the guy that I talked to and Mike Murphy with the Miami Millionaires thing to like to keep all the Miami alumni together as one and we just build a relationship on the outside of the world. So my vision, I had a vision of just doing the 707 for the kids and getting a winning prize. Um, that was the goal for me to do something if I'm not doing anything since I'm rehabbing. So I done built this, um, what I could say, I done built this This notepad, me writing down the notes, like what I could do for my hometown, what I could do, anything for anybody, sits on my, my spare time. You know, when you when you give your time out for people and give your honor for people and people will look back at you and see, like, that's a real leader. And I always want to be a leader, not a follower. I always want to be that person to set the tone. I always want to be that person to motivate these young men out here, and women, because women starting to play flag football, too. Just motivate these, these kids, these, these young anybody, you know, just motivate people to it's possible, you know, to be good at something, to be a great person. You know, it's it's not always you in the hood, and you could be very immature. You know, it's all it's always about being self-motivated. Look at things differently. Set your goal that you want to be, and go achieve it. You know, cause if you just quit on your goal, you just being a quitter. You know, everything might not come right now. It might not come in a year. It might just come five years later but you got to always stay on the right path because that one time you slip up, you might regret it forever.
0: You know, you've set the standard character wise for for the youth, you know, and I think for you looking forward now, you got to be excited, right? Because all this, the dark clouds, obviously it, it's it's kind of, you know, in the past a little bit and I know you're excited. So just talk about that a little bit about just kind of like finally seeing the Seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I, I just finally just see hope, basically. That that's that just you just give me one chance and I'ma show you what I could do. Uh I'm just getting ready right now, trying to get stronger. I feel like I'm even faster, you know, with this knee injury. Uh I'm just taking one day at a time, not trying to rush the process. Uh wherever God lead me, I'ma take it. You know, without him, I wouldn't be in this position right now. And I thank him every day because where I was before, I'm glad I wasn't that man that I was before.
1: You know, Cam, we talked a lot about adversity and kind of the tough times. You know, what were some of the high points, just wearing the orange and green, whether it's the locker room or on the field, that you're just like, man, that that was a blessed memory right there.
2: My memory, you know, just... Coming in Miami, I remember I was being a freshman and uh, just being behind Travis Homer, being behind DJ Dallas, being behind Chalk, being behind a lot of guys that's been in the program before me. And f- for me to understand how the college go, how the college system go, it was just like you just got to wait your turn and you always got to stay focused and be ready, you know, I remember sometimes when I was on scout team, I always was down on myself like, damn, why am I on scout team? But I had to understand and realize this is my position to help my team, you know, because you're a team player now in college. You know, in high school too, you're a team player. But you got to know what to do to help your players instead of just worrying about stats, just worrying about you want to score this many touchdowns. You got to worry about How can you help the team right now? And then it's going to put you in a part of, put you in a great situation of, get you on the field. You know, if you bust your tail on scout team, I'm just relaying the message to all the young men that all freshmen can't be All-American. I'm just letting you guys know now. Uh, All you got to do is just play your part. And that's what made me a better person, just having – Coach Thomas Brown, Coach, Coach Rick just recruiting me out of high school and just see hope in my dream and helping me to see where I need to go to, you know, just give me a chance to be a universal Miami running back. You know, that's everybody's dream, to be a universal Miami guy, you know. And I and I always appreciate those guys that recruited me, and it was just an honor just Committing to my dream school, just watching Frank Gore, just watching Willis McGahee, watching Clint, watching all these guys that I used to play on NCAA. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just watching these guys, like, man, I got it. You got the raw
0: end of the deal, man. You had no NCAA when you were in school. (laughs) Yeah. You know, those
1: guys you mentioned, you're talking about Gore, McGahee, kind of went through a similar thing you're going through now as far as the adversity and the injury. How much that inspired you to see what those guys did after
2: their injury? Uh, it inspired me a lot. You know, just I remember when I get when I when I got injured, and I used to um, be hurt, and I used to go back on the film and just rewind. Like, what did I do wrong? Did I cut wrong? Did I do any step wrong? I used to go back and reminisce about that every time. Still this day, it's like I try to critique the small things that I need to fix. To get myself as a better person, a better player, and just watching Willis highlights coming out of Miami, watching Frank highlights coming out of Miami, and the injury that compared me to those guys was, you know, Willis, because he had a he was in a big time situation going against Ohio State, and he went down, and you no, know, just me talking to Willis. Um, 'cause I play on the game with him We'll be on <laughs> we'd we'll be on mad together we'll be on the mic. and he just told me man just 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 keep ahead on uh have faith and don't let these coaches push you if you're not ready, you know, always make sure you prepare to be a hundred and ten percent, not ninety percent, just be ready to go um I think that's the reason why he sat out of the year, I believe. He out of the year and came back the second year and dominated in the NFL. And I truly look up to those guys, like Clint Willis, all those guys, all the running back guys. I look up to those guys and understand and critique everything they do. You know, I'm just trying to be a better person just like them.
1: Well, those guys you mentioned, Portis, McGee, Gore, they were awesome pass blockers too. It wasn't just the running with them. And watching you, I don't think people <coughs> gave you the credit or at least they did, the casual fan didn't see, you were a nasty pass blocker in Miami. You really developed into that. So if you're talking to like a young running back or someone, like you said, on the scout team that wanted to score all the touchdowns right away. How did you become that pass blocker that the coaches could trust?
2: Uh, it really started off with Coach TV, And when Coach TV left, Coach Hick, and both of those two running backs always emphasized if you can't block for the quarterback, you can't be on the field. So I always took that to the heart of uh, protecting my general. So my quarterback is my general. He's the man of the team, basically. If he's hot, the team is hot, if, if you know what I'm trying to say. And I always look at the film like, okay, you got to communicate with the quarterback. You got to communicate with the old line You, gotta, you, you just got to always be one step ahead of everything. You gotta come in field room, do the extra work. You gotta be with your quarterback. You gotta spend time with your quarterback. I think, you know, just having those quarterbacks that was here that I played with, I think that was the deal with it. You know, just protecting Kosi, protecting Malik, protecting King, protecting Tyler. Those guys I protected, and I made sure I took that to the heart. If a defender sack him. So, after every game, I used to look at, dang, what I should have done wrong. Should I got lower? Should I... Don't overthink. You know, sometimes when you men a protection in the backfield, I just be overthinking sometimes, but I always take that field room serious because you could know every linebacker's is Like, if he a bull rusher, if he a finesse rusher. If he will speed rusher, um, those are things I look at, you know, just me just learning from do- these older guys like with DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. I learned from those guys, you know. Those guys were my leader, and I had to follow their steps because when I was be- ready to be a leader, I had to pass it on to Jalen, pass it on to Don, pass it on. And passing on to dad, passing on all the younger guys that I was a leader to. You know, just doing the extra things in the weight room. You know, get stronger, lower body. Uh, just, just doing the small things. When you do the small things right, like Coach Ed Reed always emphasized, it's the small things that count. Meaning as the locker room. If the locker room not clean, how would you expect to... Let me say it this way. How would you expect to dominate on the field if you ain't got your
0: own... Priorities it's a certain right? standard that needs to be upheld, upheld. Yeah, Yeah.
2: correct. It was just... Avery always emphasized... Work on the small things, and it's going to make you a better person. Because you already got the big things out of the way, because you already worrying about the big thing. But if you work on the small things, you're going to be a great player. And that's what he did. to the cold, tough, series. He took care of his body, just, you know, just learning from the legends, you know, how they always emphasize you can't make it in the cold tub.
0: I think it's a great message that, you know, talking about, you know, learning from those guys. Obviously, there's no shame in sitting behind DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. Obviously, you see uh, they've gone on to, you know, have, have good, good careers in the NFL thus far. Um, <coughs> You know looking ahead to this next year a lot of these guys you you know um you know the transfer portal is like a new thing in, in college football so like obviously it, it came around at the end of your uh, of your time there but it was never really a thing for you so how important is it do you think for these guys to understand like you're emphasizing and in this room in particular there's a lot of talent in that room right, right? so this room in particular, talk about kind of the dynamics of it a little bit. Talk about some of the guys in there and, you know, the importance of, like, how each of them are going to probably bring something different to the table.
2: Uh, just just speaking on Jalen Knight, uh, that's one great kid. If he buckled down what he needs to do, you see the intensity, the explosiveness, the speed he have. He got it all. He got the power. He's not scared to drop his shoulder. Just just him, you know, just taking care of his body, I believe if he just take care of his body, he going to be a problem all year. Uh, just with Don. Don had the same injury I had, so he coming from, a, you know, from the bottom. That's what people don't understand. When you come from the bottom, that just make you even hungry. Don going to be a sleeper because everybody overlooked him. Everybody going to think he's just a bust. Don is going to prove everybody wrong. And I believe in Don. And I believe in the transfer from Columbus, right? Yep.
0: Henry Parrish, yep. Henry. Out of Ole Miss, yep. Henry going
2: he to be the guy. But nobody don't know about this, this guy. That, that been looked It's a over. big boy. It's a big. Listen, people <laughs> always talk about the big bus. But he going to be the second big bust. There you go. He's hard to tackle. I'm just telling you. I'm just letting you know right now that once he prepares himself, prepares his body, and he's locked in for sure, people are going to be scared to hit that. And I'm just letting you know for sure because I see the, the, the attention to details that he do. That I see when he drop his shoulder and keep his leg moving, that's... That's two hundred thirty pounds. You got plus tackle. thirty
0: two thirty plus. I think it might be. <laughs> I think it might be closer to two forty. Yeah,
2: that's that's a that's a lot of meat. You gotta you gotta handle that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we appreciate you coming on, man. Any any last words for the fans? Because you know, I don't think the fans have really heard from you much. So you have anything uh, you want you want to tell them?
2: I want the fans to support everything they got of this team this year I believe in this team I believe in crystal ball just being there for the young men so, I see when I went to the locker room the other day I seen a different energy the different atmosphere of those guys the different they 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 just look so locked in and ready they have everybody supporting them supporting all the coaching staff and I believe in those guys because to this day, I still go in and do some rehab stuff and just go go up in film and talk to Coach Smith and just just to see what those guys doing. You know, I remember going through my drive process and Coach Smith was helping me critique some of my blocking scheme and all that just to get me better as a player. And-
0: For a guy who didn't even coach you that, <clears throat> you know, says a lot. Yeah.
2: No, I appreciate Cole Smith for that.
0: Well, Cam, the future is bright for you. I, I know everyone's excited to uh, see you back out there shortly. You know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see in the next few weeks. You know, next month or so, what what ends up transpiring. But um, we know it's going to be only great things. So, look forward to, to seeing you back out there.
2: Well, I just want to tell people, I'm pushing from Labor Day to being the NFL uniform. Labor Day.
0: We'll see what happens, man. I know that, uh, we're all optimistic here and, uh, I think it's going to happen. So fingers <laughs> crossed.
2: Yes, sir. I'm just taking one day at a time.
0: All right, everyone. Appreciate Cam Harris for coming on and we will wrap it up next. Another uh, episode in the books, man. I think we're getting this thing rolling a little bit.
1: Yeah. It's training camp. We're, you know, second week training camp. We're, we're rolling. We had a little scrimmage where we, we got some feedback and, uh, and we're, gonna keep, we're gonna keep building this thing until, uh, until we're ready for Texas a and Clemson, and we don't have to talk about matching up. Those are gonna be blowouts. I'll be ready to be so, so high on the Kool-Aid by that point. You yeah, know. I
0: don't know. I don't, I don't know if you have enough homerism on these shows yet. Oh, listen, I think he's. I think he's toning it down a little bit.
1: It's a build. Just wait. It's coming. It's coming, and uh, it's gonna be real because we're spending money, man. This ain't, I don't have to make. I don't make anything up. It's gonna be all, all true, like always.
0: Well, Kane's Insight Podcast brought to you by Kane's Wear, as always, here at the First Round Management Studios. Let's see what we got for you next week. Another scrimmage this week?
1: Yeah, Saturday.
0: All right. So we'll bring you guys that recap uh, next week, and we're we'll back with another guest. So check in then. Cam Harris, thank you for coming on, and uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode.